You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Outdoor Edge introduces the all-new Razor Guide Pack. Coming in at 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the Razor Guide Pack has it all. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast brought to you by Arrowhead Land Company. Here you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight because here we go. What's up, folks? Welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast, and Merry Christmas. Man, I I thought of it. I actually thought of it last week that I need, at the end of the episode, to say Merry Christmas, because last week was the last episode before Christmas. I know this one's dropping the day after Christmas, but man, it's so, like, in order for me to, uh, you know, record these ahead of time and put them out, I have to think, like, two weeks ahead of time for upcoming holidays, and to be honest... I'm just not that organized, so so merry late Christmas. I'm sorry I missed it. I hope y'all had a, a wonderful holiday. I hope you got to you know spend time doing whatever you want to do, whether that's spending time with family, spending time in the outdoors, spending time by yourself, whatever it is you wanted to do for Christmas. I hope you got to do it. So merry Christmas. Um, yeah, Christmas has not happened for me yet because I'm recording this ahead of time, like I said. And so hopefully I had a Merry Christmas. We got a lot of plans. We're doing Christmas Eve lunch with my wife's family, Christmas Eve dinner with my family, Christmas morning with my brother's family, uh, Christmas night with my extended family, and then Christmas or the day after Christmas, the day this drops, I guess, we'll be doing Christmas with my wife's like close family. Um, so yeah, lots and lots of Christmas stuff coming up. So again, happy holidays, Merry Christmas. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Welcome to this week's episode. Um, It's just going to be me today. I had a crazy, crazy weekend of deer hunting. And so I decided it like enough stuff happened in this one weekend, uh, really two hunts, to be honest, um, that I I thought it was honestly worth being an episode. So uh, we're going to talk a whole lot about a buck that I've mentioned several times on this podcast, but never really gone into detail about. I'm going to be talking about my 2% buck. I'm also going to be talking about another hunt for another buck. Um, And both of these hunts, man, I don't want to ruin it, but just neither of them turned out quite like I hoped. Um, And so, yeah, so that's what we're going to be talking about this week. I'm trying to think if I have any announcements. Um, Not that I can think of. I hope you guys have been uh, listening to all the other episodes on the Sportsman's Empire, you know, all the other podcasts. Um, I was on the Woods and Water podcast this last week. Um, We talked about my elk hunt again. And, uh, and, oh, that, that reminds me, yes, I have done a terrible job of thanking all the people that reached out and helped me through that whole process. I knew I said I was kind of over the whole truck getting stolen thing and done, but I, I owe a few people a thank you. 
several of you listeners reached out to me, and I really appreciated that. Um, also, Andrew Muntz from the O2 podcast up in Ohio, he was the one that started the GoFundMe for me. Um, he's trying to get me a new rifle to replace the one that I lost. So thank you to Andrew. Um, the Missouri Woods and Water guys, um, man, they they reached out also. Um, they had me on their podcast to help, sh- to help spread the word. Um, they've been sharing the, uh, the, uh, oh gosh, GoFundMe, sorry. They've been sharing the GoFundMe page. Um, and then, uh, yeah, to anybody who has donated to that, um, I know my good old podcast and boss, Mr. Dan Johnson, I saw he put in a pretty good, uh, contribution. So thank you to Dan. Um, and anybody else, anybody else who's pitched in at all, or just, you know, prayed for me or sent me money or well wishes, whatever it might be, any of those people, um, I just want to say thank you. So I know I mentioned a few weeks ago, I was kind of over it and done and I am, but, uh, I, I just, I feel like I haven't, uh, really given the people credit who have helped me. So I wanted to throw that out there real quick. Um, so yeah, uh, make sure you're checking out all those other podcasts. Those guys are awesome. What else? Um, I talked about my duck hunt last week. Um, that was awesome. I haven't got to cook any of it yet. I'm so excited to cook some of those goose breasts. Very excited about that. I was planning to go duck hunting this Thursday before work, um, but the guy I was going to hunt with, he invited some other people. They couldn't go on Thursday, so he rescheduled it for Friday, and I'm not sure if that's going to work out with my wife and the baby and everything yet, so trying to get that worked out. Um, I think he has a really good wood duck hole we're going to try to go hunt on Friday, so hopefully, hoping that that works out. Um, and then, man, we're going to be, I already mentioned all the crazy Christmas plans we have coming up. I just found out today that I don't think I have to work between Christmas and New Year's. I think I have to work like one half day on Wednesday, which kind of stinks because it's like right in the middle of the week. Um, but I'm hoping maybe after that day of work, I'll be able to head up to the ranch, do a little bit more deer hunting, maybe get on one of these bucks that we're about to talk about here, um, in this episode. And, uh, and yeah, I know we have another, uh, duck hunt playing with a bunch of my buddies, duck slash goose hunt on the weekend of January 7th, I think it is, um, the week after weekend after new year's. Um, so hopefully going to do a little more deer hunting then, and definitely some duck and maybe goose hunting if they're still around. So yeah, definitely have some hunts down the pipe coming up. Um, I would love to do some more deer hunting. It's just, you know, it's kind of hard. So it's getting getting crunch time though um again we're gonna talk about it this week uh some some very very close calls um excuse me what else oh my voice is mostly back i do feel a little bit of scratchiness there it's still a little tender Uh, but man i have never i don't think i've ever lost my voice for it was gone for like eight days or something like that so it started hurting when i recorded my episode like two weeks ago and then last week was very rough. I listened to last week's episode. It was way rougher than I thought it sounded. So I apologize for that. And then, like I said, I recorded an episode with uh, the Missouri guys, Missouri Woods and Water podcast. And I sounded terrible on that one also. But So like I said, as you can tell, feeling much better. I think by next week, I'll definitely be 100% um, unless something crazy happens. We are talking about going duck hunting during this whole, like, polar vortex freeze thing this Friday. So we'll see how that goes. Um, I, man, I was like, man, we really need to go before that front hits on Thursday. But the other guys, they had to work Thursday. They don't have to work Friday. So anyway, they're going Friday. Hopefully I can join them. So I think that is about it for this intro. Um, I'm trying to wreck my brain. That's all I can think of. So I guess we're just going to jump into this one. Um, This one, I have no idea. It could be 20 minutes or it could be an hour and 20 minutes. I don't know. I'm just going to kind of hit record and start talking. That's what I intend to do anyway. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, Man, I'm telling you, stick around. It's one of the craziest deer hunting stories you will ever hear, I think. Um... Yeah, very, very crazy, weird, crazy incident that happened. So, so yeah, that's what we're talking about this week. Um, I'm rambling now, so I'm going to go ahead and shut this intro down. We're going to hear a quick word from our partners, and then we're going to get into the episode right after this. We had the guys from Arrowhead Land Company on a while back, and if you listen to that episode, it was pretty obvious the guys are big-time hunters. So if you're looking to buy or sell a piece of hunting property, why not call someone who truly understands what they're looking at? The crew at Arrowhead will work hard to not only find the best buyer or seller for your property, but also guide you through the entire process while keeping your goals in mind. Give them a call and let the hardworking agents go to work for you. 
With the season winding down, it's a great time to keep running those trail cameras to collect data for next year. And if you really want to be prepared, you should be uploading those pictures to Deer Lab. Deer Lab is more than organization. It's real-life, usable data. It can help you keep up with individual bucks, their travel routes, and movement patterns to put you in the right place at the right time. I used the historical data from Deer Lab to put a nice buck in front of me this year that I had been tracking for over three years. Check them out at DeerLab.com and don't forget to use code OKLAHOMAOUTDOORS for 20% off. There is truly no place like the great outdoors in Oklahoma, and when you're outside in the wild, you want your wireless devices to work. Unlike other carriers, Bravado Wireless believes that coverage in rural areas is important so that you can stay connected. With competitively priced plans and coverage where you need it, the mission of Bravado Wireless is to keep you connected no matter where you are. Visit bravadowireless.com or check them out at one of their retail locations. Bravado Wireless, the power of connection. Private Water Fishing is a one-of-a-kind fishing subscription service that gives you access to large private lakes all over the state. Once you sign up, you can see a huge list of private lakes at your disposal and pick the one that works for you. Whether that's one close to home or one meant to get you away for a little bit, no matter which one you choose, you can be guaranteed to have a great time. These are well-managed, stocked lakes that are all yours for the entire day. Go to privatewaterfishing.com to learn more. Alright folks, here we are. We're going to be talking about this last weekend of hunting for me. And uh, going into the weekend, I wasn't even sure I was going to get to go hunting. Um, you know, I'd hunted the weekend before. Uh, we got Christmas coming up. I'd been gone on all my trips and everything like that. So it it wasn't like a weekend I had on my calendar. And then plus, it's just like I, I talked about a few weeks ago, like that middle of December time, it's just a tough time to hunt. And so um, really didn't have that many plans. But then on, uh, I want to say like Thursday-ish, um, one of my shooters came out in daylight um, and then, uh, or maybe that was Wednesday and then he didn't show Thursday and then Friday he showed up in daylight again. And so I was like, you know what, maybe I need to go hunt this buck. And so talk to the wife. Um, she had something on Friday, so I needed to babysit Friday. And so we agreed that I would keep the kid Friday night and then I was going to wake up Saturday, head to the ranch and hunt Saturday and Sunday. So that was the plan going into the weekend. Um, I'm driving up there on Saturday and I'd been, you know, looking at the wind and stuff ahead of time. And the, the buck that I was after big eight point, um, he'd been coming into this location to this feeder. I mean, like clockwork. Um, I think Friday was like the, the second day in a row and like the fourth time that week or something like that. Uh, so I, I was like very confident that he was going to show Saturday evening. The thing was the wind just wasn't right. Um, I really need like a Southeast wind to hunt this spot. Um, really any variation of east or even like a straight north. Like I could probably get away with a straight north. But the wind was definitely going to have some western variation. Uh, they were calling for like a northwest wind. I want to say it was like 8 miles an hour something like that. Um, and so I'm just looking at it and I was like, man, like I know, I know that buck's going to be out in daylight. But there's just no way I can hunt him in this spot. Um, and so I'm, I'm, you know, I want to go up there anyway. It's nice and cold this weekend. And, uh, and I'd gotten a picture Friday night of what I believe was my 2% buck. And uh, I'm going to go into more detail about him. Um, but uh, it's, it's so funny. So, like, I got a, this picture. It was at one of my feeders. And you couldn't even see the deer's rack. All you could see was his body. Or was his body. But, like, right when the picture came through, I was like, that's him. I even texted to one of my buddies. I was like, oh, man, like, you know, 2% buck. And he was like, how can you tell? I was like, dude, like, I would recognize this deer blindfolded like I just know this deer I've been tracking him for years and years and years and we're going to go into that here in just a minute but I was like I know that's him so basically that was my plan Saturday evening the wind was going to be perfect to hunt that buck if I, I I figured I wouldn't see him wouldn't get him and then Sunday evening I was going to hunt the eight point so so I'm going to go back in time now and I'm going to talk about the the two percent buck so um I first saw this deer I first got a picture of him in 2018, um, I got a picture, and he, I believe he was a three-year-old at that point. Um, this was the second year we owned the property. Um, the first year, I didn't hunt it super hard. Um, I ran some cameras. I had one feeder going, and I just didn't see that many deer, honestly. Um, I hadn't figured it out. It was, it's way different than the property that I used to hunt. 
Uh, y'all heard me talk about it. You know, it's wide open Bermuda pasture for the boat for the most part. And then in the back, we kind of got the, the area that I hunt. And so, um, I had, like I said, I had a feeder back there. I had it like down in the Canyon that I'm always talking about about halfway down. I got one picture of one like decent buck. Um, he was like a, he almost looked like a mule deer. I think he was like a three by three. Um, just had like a big fork on each side basically. Um, so I just like, I, I didn't hunt the property that hard again, because I just didn't think there was that much there. And we had the other property. Um, I knew I had tons of bucks over there, so I just didn't concentrate on the property, but I had a few cameras running. Um, and then I think it was rifle season. I know it was rifle season. It was opening day of rifle. Me and a, bu- a buddy came up and he was going to film me. And I had found this old metal stand pushed back into the trees and I'd set it up on what I now call the saddle. Um, again, I just, I knew the stand was back there. I didn't want to move it very far. It looked like kind of a good feature, no feet or anything. I just set this stand up on this hill. Uh, me and my buddy hunted it and, uh, we were sitting there and from the South going North, I see this buck come out of the saddle and it's this nice looking 10 point. And, uh, and at this time, like still to this day, really my dream is just a nice typical 10 point. And at this time I had not killed one. I had killed eights. Uh, I'd killed like a 13 point, uh, 14 point, but I just hadn't killed that like nice typical 10 point. So I see this deer come out of the draw. I got my rifle on him. My buddy's with me. He's filming him. He's got the camera on him. And at the last minute, I'm like, I, I recognize him because I'd gotten a few pictures of him. I was like, man, that's that three-year-old 10. I'm going to let him walk. Best decision I've ever made in my life. Um, so anyway, didn't kill the deer. Uh, didn't see him again that year or anything, but you know, got a few more pictures of him. And I was just like dreaming. I was like, man, next year, like that deer is going to be really nice. And so anyway, next year comes along. I'm still, I still haven't got this property figured out. Um, I'm not used to all the big hills and, and just the way it lays out and everything like that. And I never saw that buck. So uh, I saw him for, for the first time in 2018, 2019, got zero pictures of him. Um, by that time, we'd started talking about selling our other property and so I kind of realized like, Hey, um, you know, I need to do something with this property over here. And again, I'd gotten a few random pictures. I still didn't have the property figured out, but I'd gotten a couple pictures of some nice deer. You know, I would just get like one picture of them during the rut or something like that. And then, you know, over here, I'd get another picture of another nice deer one or two times. So I knew there was some nice deer around. I just had to figure out how to hunt them. And so 2020 was the first time I like really set this property up. I moved a couple f- more feeders over there. Um, I don't think I planted any food plots yet, but I, I bought some more cameras to run before I'd only ran like maybe three or four cameras over there. Um, and again, I'm still trying to figure out just how the deer use the property naturally, um, where the best spots for feeders are and all that stuff. And, uh, so I had, uh, I think I planted, no, I didn't plant a food plot, but I, I, I bought some mineral blocks. Uh, and so started running my cameras in like late July, early August, something like that. Uh, I bought a couple mineral rocks to put out. I had a feeder going, and out of nowhere, I get the, the, a picture of this really, really big typical ten point, and uh, and I got super excited. He was in velvet. He was huge and stuff. And I, oh man, I was just beside myself because like it, it was my dream deer. It was this nice big, typical clean ten point. And so get all excited, and I'm looking at these pictures, and I keep getting pictures of him through like September. And then about October, he disappears. And so I was like, man, that stinks. Like, he's got to be around here somewhere. Um, later that year, I start picking some pictures up of him, like a mile away, way away from where I was getting him in the summer. But I was getting some pictures of him. They were all nighttime. And so I got really, really excited. And <laughs> I named this buck CR. And CR stands for county record. Because I honestly thought if I could kill this buck with my bow, he would be the biggest typical archery buck in the county and so I started calling him CR and again you know this isn't like a crazy 200 inch deer or anything like that nothing nothing super crazy but a very very nice deer one that I would be super proud of and uh, so yeah so it, it was late October when I started picking him up and he'd be there every night um, I mean for like two or three weeks at a time he was there every single night but always after dark the rut came along he completely disappeared. Um, I never saw him, didn't get any pictures of him. Uh, I thought maybe the neighbor got him. And, uh, and then about mid November, I'm sorry, mid December, he shows back up and he gets real consistent again, showing up every night. 
And there was one time uh, in late December, he had been kind of coming like closer and closer to shooting light. And there was one day that I was like, man, we had a, a cold front moving in and everything. He had been getting closer. And I was like, man, I think this day, if I can hunt, I could kill him. I think he would show up in daylight. And of course, my wife had bought uh, tickets to a Christmas concert in Oklahoma City that night. And so I did not get to go hunting. We drove to Oklahoma City, and as I'm at the concert, my phone buzzes from my cell cam, and it's a picture of this buck in daylight. And I'm pretty sure that was the only daylight picture I got of him the entire year in 2020. And so, obviously, I kept trying. Um, I was staying out. I was trying to be smart. I did finally go in there and hunt uh, like late January. Um, you know, he was getting close to daylight again, but never even saw him. Never saw him with my own eyes. So, again... Saw him for the first time in 2018, completely disappeared in 2019, didn't even get pictures of him, picked him up again in 2020, um, never had an encounter with him or anything, uh, but I knew he was there. So so the next year, 2021, we're really getting serious about selling our property, so I, I know, like, you know, I'm going full in on this new property where my brother lives, and I know this buck is still there. I had pictures of him, like, through late uh, December, or I'm sorry, through late January, so I know he's still alive, and I went all out to kill this buck. So that's why I made my giant food plot in the back. I made it like specifically for this deer because I knew he summered back there. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I couldn't really do much to the feeder that I had where he was coming in. It's a wide open pasture. It's a feeder that I moved this year. We'll talk about that more in a second. Um, but I, I made a bigger feeder pin, uh, you know, to try to make him feel more comfortable, keep the hogs away from the feeder and everything. Um, I couldn't do a food plot. Just again, this is one of our, it was one of our best pastures. And so I couldn't go plowing it up and planting stuff. And, and, you know, even if I did plant a food plot, the cows would eat it anyway. So, so I was kind of stuck with just the feeder and, and I kid you guys not, I had a stand in the only tree in the entire pasture. So it's not like I could move around. Like I couldn't get closer to his bedding or anything like that. He was bedding on the neighbors. I knew that hundred percent. Um, and so like, there was nothing else I could really change in my setup. Like I couldn't, I couldn't go hunt him. I was at his mercy, completely at his mercy, just trying to make him feel comfortable enough to come to my feeder. And so that was 2020, 2021 rolls around last year. And, uh, same thing. I got a picture of this buck in the exact same spot. I think it was like two days from where I'd got him in 2020. Um, still big. I mean, he, he, he grew a little bit, not a ton. Uh, but he was, you know, six year old last year, I was pretty sure. Um, and I was getting him in the summer. I was like, man, this is the year, this is the year I'm going to get CR. And I think I talked about him a little bit on one of my like early, early podcasts this year. And that's when I kind of, kind of started, started calling him the 2% buck because, I was going through the bucks I was going to be hunting that that year, and I gave myself a two percent chance to kill him because he's just so nocturnal. Again, I, like I knew he didn't didn't bet on us, um, and uh, and yeah, like I just I just knew there was a very slow chance I could kill him. So I didn't get near as many pictures of him that summer. Um, I didn't get near as many pictures of him late, but man, during the rut, like I had him pinned. Um, I got so many pictures of him during the rut last year. Once again, all at night, I want to say I got, I think I got one picture of him actually at that feeder, uh, where he came late season on like November 7th or something like that. It was a day I wasn't hunting. I was working. Um, but man, I was getting him all uh, like he was moving like crazy. I was picking up all over the place. I was hunting all over the place. You know, I was trying to catch up with him. I was going to shoot him with muzzleloader, rifle, bow, whatever. Like, I just wanted this deer and wanted him dead. And so, hunted him a ton last year. Uh, never caught up to him. Ended up killing a nice buck with my rifle. It was actually a deer. I confused the deer that I killed with uh, this other deer, the 2% buck. I thought they were the same deer for a while. Um, turns out they weren't. Um, the 2% deer, I think, was bigger. Um, but I just, you know, at a quick glance, I was just seeing a nice typical 10 and just assuming it was this 2% buck. Um but anyway, went back later. A lot of the pictures I was getting were the 2% buck, um, but I was also getting some of the other ones. So so again, 2021 goes by. I thought I was going to have a chance at him late season like I had in 2020, but he just he never got as consistent. Um, he'd come every once in a while, but I think just kind of as he was getting older, his home range was shrinking. And so fast forward to this year, 
2022 rolls around, I think I only got one picture of them this summer. Um, it was like late, late, uh, September, I think. Um, it was still, it was where I'd always got pictures of them in the summer before towards the back of our property. Um, but I only got one picture of them and then I didn't get pictures for a while. I eventually got pictures of them in the spot where he, you know, normally stayed during the year. Uh, this year with, I talked about it. Um, I call the, that setup. it's in the cemetery pasture. We got the banks blind. So I was no longer reliant on that one single tree. I could move it to where I wanted to because of the blind, uh, moved the feeder and everything moved it to a spot where I could, you know, control the wind a little better. I thought I was going to get closer to where he bedded. Um, and it somewhat worked. Um, uh, but this year it, it kind of the same thing as last, well, opposite of last year, I guess I got even less pictures of him this year. Um, so he was, he was around, um, you know, when I, again, when I killed my buck this year, I was really going in to hunt him cause I had a picture of him the day before, like right at the end of shooting light end up killing, you know, a really nice deer this year with my muzzle loader. So no complaints again there, but I was really after this buck. <coughs> so fast forward to the rut and, and I was ready for him this year. Cause I had all those pictures of him last year during the rut. Um, I had hung two more stands and like travel areas for this deer. Um, I had a new feeder that I had fenced for this deer in a spot where he had traveled a lot during the rut. I set up a tripod stand on top of the hill again, for this deer during the rut, because he just made so many laps um, through this one area last year. And so, had my same cameras this year, had all these new stands, and I ended up not even really hunting them, because he just he just never really showed up this year during the rut. Um, I was getting some pictures of him, you know, late October, and then when the rut came around, I don't know where he went, but he was not on the same pattern he was on last year. So, I actually, I, I pretty much gave up on him, because uh, it had been like, I want to say I went over a month without getting a picture of him uh, through most of November. Um, and then I want to say, I think that picture I got of him on Friday night was the per- first picture I'd gotten of him in, in about a month. So anyway, so fast forward to this weekend. That's that's the whole history with the 2% buck. Been after him for years. Never even laid eyes on him uh, since 2018 when he's a 3-year-old. So, so anyway... Driving up there, I was like, man, I can't hunt the eight point that I really think I can kill. The 2% buck came uh, to the feeder right after shooting light last night. I was like, I'm just going to try it. Because basically, I didn't have anywhere else to go because the wind wasn't right. So, so get out there nice and early. I parked my truck uh, to the east. We had a northwest wind, which was perfect. It was blowing away from the woods where I think he lives. Um, I get into the blind nice and early. Um, the Actually, no, the feeder hadn't gone off yet. Um, I was sitting there in my blind and all of a sudden I hear a deer blow and I was like, that's kind of weird. And I look out to the left and four does had come out. They were coming to the feeder, um, but they blew, but they weren't looking at me and they weren't really downwind. Um, they were somewhat in that direction, but they were really, they were like Southwest and the wind was coming from the Northwest. So I think they would have had, for, had to be further East to smell me. Um, so I, I look out the window again, they're not really looking at the blind. They're kind of looking behind me and behind me is just wide open pasture on, on our place and the neighbors. Like it's just pasture. And so I was like, that's kind of odd. So I, uh, I had, was hanging a shirt over the back window to kind of, you know, just to keep the, so the light down. And so they couldn't see movement and stuff. And so I kind of moved the shirt to the side and way far away on one of the distant Hills, but still our property, I see some does and there's four does over there. Four does had come out of the woods close to me. They were they were basically blowing and looking at those four does over there because I guess they weren't used to seeing deer over there. Um, and I was and I, like these four does were just out in the middle of this pasture. I don't know what the heck they were eating, but they were feeding out there. They had come out of this draw, real brushy hillside, and they're eating. And I was like, huh, that's kind of strange. Like I've just I've never seen deer over there. Never seen deer sign or anything like that. So. The four deer that were close to me, they ended up not coming to the feeder. I, I guess those other, I don't know, maybe they did smell me. I don't know, but I, I don't think they did. But they ended up working off, going back into the woods. Feeder goes off. Um, a little while later, those four doe uh, came back out, but they didn't come to the feeder. They just kind of walked off in the pasture and ended up walking all the way across the pasture. And, uh, but anyway, so every, every once in a while, because I know there's deer behind me, I'm just peeking out the back window. And so... Keep an eye, you know, every time I look out, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, I'm counting the does, make sure there's not a new one, make sure there's not a buck with them or anything. I already checked it out with my binoculars. Well, we get to about, uh, it was about 30 minutes before dark, and uh, 
peek out the back window and I'm like one, two, three, four. And then all of a sudden, like I just see this body that, uh, it dwarfs these does. Uh, and it's obviously a deer and the deer's facing me. And I, I mean, I just see the white on his breast and this, this bucks, their deer's body is just massive. And it entered my mind. I was like, that, that could be him. So I pull out my binoculars, look through my binoculars. Sure enough, it's the 2% buck. First time I've seen him with my own eyes in four years. And he's just, he's in a spot that, I mean, it, like looking back now, it makes total sense. And I mean, I, I was ecstatic. One, just to see him. But two, I feel like I learned something. Like I feel like I learned where he was living. And it was not where I thought he was like, I just assumed he was living on the neighbors right there next to this pasture. And just, I mean, it, it, you know, like the meme where all the like, uh, you know, math equations and stuff are flying through the air towards that person. That's what I felt like. Like just so many things were coming together all at once from this one siding. And, uh, and he just, he just walks right out into that pasture. Um, the does wanted nothing to do with him. They took off running and he was just standing out there by himself um, I had my phone scope with me. I was, was taking the the case off my phone, trying to get a good picture of him. I got some decent pictures, but he, I mean, he was 320 yards. I ranged him. He was 320 yards away. So I just, I couldn't get a real good picture, but I mean, without a doubt it was him. And I, I took my phone down. It, like, it was really cool too, because I, I was just enjoying the moment. I was like, I was just watching this super mature big deer. You know, he had no idea I was there. And, uh, you know, for a very brief moment, I was like, I'm going to go put a stock on him. But I quickly realized there was no way, like, the wind would have been uh, uh, not, the wind would have been at my back, you know, not in my advantage. Um, he's in a wide open pasture. You know, there's just, there's no hope. The only way I might could have done it is if I would have trespassed onto the neighbors. And I just wasn't going to do that. And so, so I, I take the phone scope off. I'm just watching through my binoculars, just enjoying it. You know, I'm counting his points, you know, 100%, it was him, so, <coughs> excuse me. Um, so anyway, I'm sitting there watching him, and then uh, after a few minutes of eating, he basically goes back down the draw where he had came from and disappears. And I was like, well, that's that. You know, he went the opposite direction. He's probably not going to come in this evening. Um, so I'm like, basically, I'm kind of like, the hunt is done, but, you know, I'm going to sit it out anyway. There's like, there's about 20 minutes of light left at this point. And so, anyway, he goes away. You know, I'm looking out in front of me. Like I said, those does had come out. They were off. Uh, they were probably about 200 yards away, something like that. So, I'm just sitting there. And, um, you know, every once in a while, I'm peeking out the back window. And uh, a couple minutes later, peek out the back window. And boom. Like, same same shocking giant body thing that I had the first time. He's coming back out. And he's right on the edge of the woods. Um, or the ridge, really. And, uh, God, like I'm just blown away by how massive this deer's body is. Again, like I'm, I'm pretty sure he's seven years old. So, I mean, you can't get much more mature than that. Um, and again, I don't know if I mentioned this or not. He actually, he, he actually went down, uh, rack wise. So he, he was smaller, uh, than he was last year. Like wouldn't score as high, but obviously I would still, you know, be so happy just with the history. Now I would be so happy with him. So, so anyway, he comes back out and he's feeding on the hill and I'm I'm just like man this is so cool watching through my binoculars and he's perfectly broadside again about 320 yards away and um, and then all of a sudden just like out of nowhere he just picks his head up and he starts coming my way and my <laughs> my heart immediately just starts going berserk and uh, I look at my watch we got about 15 minutes of light left and I'm like he he's coming like he is coming here. And he drops down into a draw. I lose sight of him. And and I forgot to mention this. My truck is in between me and him. So I'm about 150 yards from my truck. And then he's about 150 yards from my truck also. So I'm just I'm just sitting there. I was like, there, there's no way. Like, he's so far away. My truck is right there. There's no way. But, but I start getting ready. Because I was like, there, there might be a chance. And I know he's going to come downwind. So luckily, for some unknown reason, for the very first time this year... I brought my Ozonics with me. Um, I don't know why. I don't know. I just brought it for some reason. So anyway, so I'm like trying to get my windows set. And so I have the front window open, you know, facing the feeder. 
I have the front left window open, kind of, you know, 45 degree angle. I close the one straight to my left because that's basically dead downwind. And so I turn on my Ozonics. I set it on the shelf in front of me. So it's running in the blind. Um, and again, and I'm just waiting. I was like, I was like, I, I really feel like he's going to go to the neighbors and he's going to wait in the brush until it gets dark. And, and, I, and I'm also having an internal battle with myself. I was, I was really wondering if I needed to get out, like run, because I was afraid, you know, it was going to be getting dark or get dark and I was going to be getting out of the blind and then he was going to come out and he was going to bust me. And so, so all this stuff was running through my head. Um, I got my bow with me. I got my windows set. I got my Ozonics running. And, and like, again, the whole, uh, like mathematic equation thing is going on. Like, I'm just trying to figure out what to do. And, uh, so, you know, it's getting darker. I'm, I'm looking at my watch. I'm running out of time. I was like, man, I, I don't think he's going to make it. And, um, and about, about the time I have that thought, you know, and again, I'm watching the woods to the left thinking he was going to, you know, probably go into the woods and I just kind of see something out of the corner of my eye. I look to my left, and there he is. He's um, he's in the open. He's between our two pastures. He's standing at the fence, and and I need him to jump that fence. Um, so he, he's in the pasture behind me, and he's just standing there. It's getting darker. I grab my bow, so I have my bow in my left hand. My release is clipped on. Uh, I have a, a like thumb release, so it can clip onto my bow, and I don't have to hold it. And I had my rangefinder in my right hand, and I know like he was probably in range where he was standing. But I know if I open that window, I mean he's directly downwind, and so again, just everything stacked against me. He's downwind. He's got a fence in front of him. He has to cross, and so I'm just sitting there, you know, trying not to move, watching him out of the corner of my eye, and he jumps the fence. And I was like, no way. So I'm watching this deer through the window. You know, I don't, that window's not open. I'm watching him just so so stinking slowly walk straight downwind of me and man anytime i've ever talked bad about ozonics i apologize ozonics saved me I, absolutely so he's just i mean just so painfully slow walking out and it's, it's again it's just getting darker and darker i'm still in legal light but i mean it's right there on the edge and he makes it to my open window so i hit the range finder 44 yards and that's, man, that's pretty far for me for a white-tailed deer. Just a lot can happen in 44 yards. Add to the fact that it's getting pretty dark. You know, I'm, I'm looking at my pins. I'm trying to, like, kind of look through my sight. And I, I just decide that I can't take that shot. Um, with it, oh, my watch is yelling at me. Um, I, I just decided that I can't take that shot. And so <clears throat> I'm like, man, he's already through my wind at this point. He's going to come to the feeder. I just need to be patient. So... He, like I said, he's already down the way to the feeder. Um, he, you know, he's checking it out. He's being so, so super cautious, like a mature buck is. And instead of turning to the feeder, he basically continues his circle. So he leaves the left window, and he comes out, and he's straight in front of me now. And he's standing there broadside, hit the range finder, and he's 49 yards now. And I was like, man, if I didn't take a 44-yard shot, I probably shouldn't take a 49-yard shot. I was like, again, everything's calm, everything's cool. He's going to come to this feeder. And so I actually put my rangefinder down. Um, I'm, I have my hand on the release, and I'm just waiting for him to come in because I, I know the range to my feeder. I know the range to my feeder pin. I ranged a little bush behind that. So basically, I know 30 and in. I'm comfortable with that. I know where 30 is. I know as soon as he you know passes this bush, I'm good to go. So I'm just sitting there, and I'm holding dead still. You know, I, I'm in kill mode now. Like I'm, I've calmed my nerves. My heart's not pumping. I mean, I'm excited, but I, but I'm calm. Like I'm in kill mode, and I'm just watching this deer that I've been dreaming of for four years, standing out there, and and then he turns and he he starts to come in, and 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 then it, it hits me. I'm like, this this is gonna happen. So I'm sitting there, hand on the bow, hand on release, staying calm, watching the deer of my dreams come into range, and out of nowhere, I just hear, <coughs> and. And it, it, it immediately dawned on me what it was. In the bottom of the blind, I had like a half-drink plastic water bottle from a previous hunt. It was actually still in there from when I killed my buck. I was in the same blind that I killed my buck out of earlier this year, back in muzzleloader season. And there was a little water bottle that I'd left in there. And I guess as the sun went down, it had gotten, you know, really, it, it, gone, it dropped at least 10 degrees. And the air in that water bottle constricted 
and that plastic popped and that deer took off. Um, I, I know it sounds crazy. I, I didn't believe it myself. I was like, what are the chances? Like I've been waiting on this deer for four stinking years. I've been, like, I passed him as a three-year-old to let him grow. He disappeared as a four-year-old. I hunted him so hard as a five-year-old, never got him. Hard, hunted so hard as a six-year-old, never got him. Here's a seven-year-old. I'd pretty much given up on him, and he was coming in. He was he was so close to being in range. I was just waiting on my shot, and a stinking water bottle. Did I like? I did not touch it. I did, I wasn't moving or anything like that. It just popped and cracked for some unknown reason, and he took off. He ran about. 40, 50 yards and stopped, turned broadside. I ranged, you know, he's like 90 something yards or something like that. Um, it's just getting darker. You know, I can honestly, I can barely see him out there once he ran off that far. And, uh, I'm sitting there holding my breath, hoping he's going to turn and come back in. And, and he didn't, he turned, he didn't like sprint off or anything like that, but he, he moved off at a pretty good pace. And, uh, and that was that he, he did not come in. I did not get my shot. I'm really, I don't, I don't know, I don't know how badly he spooked, because that's the other thing, and and super unfortunate for me, it he spooked, and and it was something in the blind that spooked him. You know, it wasn't a coyote or a cow or anything like that, but it also wasn't me. Like I didn't, you know, I didn't make a noise. He didn't smell me. I don't think he had already been through my wind. Um, it was a dadgum water bottle, but like I don't know. Is he going to see that blind as danger now because of that noise? You know, nothing happened to him. He didn't, like, just, you know, stick his tail up and run for the hills or anything like that. Um, but he did spook because of that blind. And so, yeah, I, 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 I'm I kind of at a loss. Um, I did get a picture of him the next night, but it was not there. Uh, he, I got a picture of him where he summers, actually, a mile away. Uh, the next day, he was a mile away. And so I don't know. I don't see that as a great sign. Um, I was ho- I was really hoping he might come back later that night. Of course he didn't. I was hoping he would come back the next night. I got a picture of him, but he was a mile away. So I really don't know what that means uh, for the story of this buck. Um, maybe you know, maybe the feeder he was at a mile away. Maybe he starts coming in there. Who knows? Maybe I'll kill him back there. Um, maybe the bottle didn't spook him that bad, and he'll come back. I don't know, but. I, I I will say this: If I hadn't already killed a nice deer this year, I think I would be way more upset. Um, but man, to kill to kill that deer, to kill him with my bow would have just meant so much to me. Like forget the forget the antlers. Like I said, he's he's smaller than he has been the last two years. You know, he's going downhill. Uh, but just the history I've had with this deer, it just would have been so neat. Um, and, of course, I'm kicking myself for not taking the 44-yard shot, um, even though I still think that was the right thing to do. Um, I know my limits. Um, you know, that distance, that time of night, it just it wasn't a good shot, um, so I didn't take it. I'm, I'm kind of proud of myself for that, even though I'm also kicking myself at the same time. So, so that is the story of the 2% buck. Um, I have another hunting story that happened uh, this weekend that is just as unfortunate, basically. So... So I'd mentioned, I talked about the eight point uh, that I had been getting several days in a row. I was correct. He did come out Saturday. And so I made the right decision by not hunting him because the wind was wrong. And so going into Sunday, um, I think I even made a story about it on Instagram. Like, I'm not sure I've ever been so confident going into a hunt for mature buck as I was Sunday. Um, you know, I, I washed all my clothes. I ran the Ozonics on my clothes. I brought the Ozonics with me. Um, I charged my video camera. I brought the video camera with me because I was going to film it because I was just, he had been there four days in a row in daylight and then five of the last six days in daylight. And so I just kind of expected it to happen. Um, We did have a wind change, but uh, you know, he had been coming before that cold front, before that wind change. So I just felt like he was still going to come in. So, so again, uh, Sunday, I get in there nice and early. Um, get set up, get my Ozonics running, I get my camera set up. I had my camera arm and all all the fancy stuff, my GoPro. Um, and so I, I was set up and ready to go. So I'm sitting there. Uh, I got in there probably 45 minutes or, to an hour. Uh, no, uh, actually, it was more than that. It was over an hour before the feeder went off. 
just just in case, you know, because there was also some does that had been coming in for a while. There was a younger buck, a six-point that had been coming in for a while. And so I just wanted to make sure that everything was good to go. The wind was perfect. Um, again, I super, super confident. So sitting there, um, you know, watching the clock, um, I, you know, looking at it, I was like, all right, the feeder's about to go off. Feeder goes off, and uh, about two minutes or so after the feeder goes off, I hear some leaves rustling. And so I, I'm like, I'm like, man, like, are deer already coming or hogs coming in or what? And uh, I look up and I see a guy on a horse. And I was like, what in the world? And uh, I'm hunting probably like 150 yards or so from the neighbors. I'm hunting on a, on a creek. It's pasture in front of me, pasture behind me. And then across our pasture is the neighbors. And I look up and I see this guy on a horse. And then I see another guy on a horse. And then I see another guy on a horse. And then running around the horses, I see dogs with big leather collars. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. And uh, so this is the stand where the, uh, the week before I posted a picture on my Instagram. Um, right at last light, I had a big group of hogs come in. There were like 30 hogs or something. I ended up not being able to get a shot because they came from behind me. Um, and you could see, I mean, like the hogs, they've been doing a lot of damage on our place. I'm sure they've been doing a lot of damage on their place. Um, and I guess they got fed up with it or wanted to have some fun on the weekend or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, so three guys on horses, um, even from 150 yards, I could see they had headlamps on, um, you know, this was like four forty-five, five o'clock, something like that. And, uh, and again, they had dogs with them. I'm sure the dogs that I saw with them were like catch dogs cause they were, you know, staying with them. I'm sure they had other dog, you know, I could hear stuff in the leaves and the woods and stuff. And so I'm sure they had other dogs running around looking for scent and stuff in the woods. And so <laughs> it just took the wind out of my sails again. Um, because I, I, you know, I hunted out, I stayed till dark. I thought there was a chance, maybe it was early enough that they were going to, you know, just walk through, keep going, go on their way and the deer might still come. But uh, man, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure they went over the hill and turned into the timber again. I'm pretty sure they had dogs running through the timber again, not going to blame them. Um, we have a bad hog problem. I appreciate them trying to kill hogs. I just wish they weren't trying to kill hogs right where I was deer hunting in daylight when I had a shooter buck coming in, you know, on cue. So, so yeah, basically two hunts in a row came super close. I mean, it's hard to say I came close on Sunday because I never even saw the buck. Um, but I think if those guys wouldn't have been riding through, I probably would have seen and hopefully killed the buck. So, so yeah, very, very interesting, frustrating weekend. Um, I'm not as angry as you might guess. Um, I don't know why, like honestly, just seeing the 2% buck was worth it and watching him getting to observe him from afar, being so close to him after all this time, like it was really cool. And honestly, there was a small, I don't know if any of you have experienced this when you, when you've chased a deer this long, you know, not just a like I've killed deer that I've been after for a year or two. Um, I killed one deer that I'd been after, or nothing that I'd been after. I had known about the deer for like four or five years, but he wasn't like a big deer. Like I wasn't like really specifically hunting him. I just kind of so happened to kill him after a long time. This is the first deer that I have like really and truly pursued for years and years and years and, and passed him, you know, passed him when he was young to let him get to, you know, express his trophy potential. He made it to his trophy potential and I've been hunting him and to just have such an up-close encounter with that deer. It felt like a win, and honestly, I think I would have been kind of sad if I would have killed. Like, just, like, knowing that that deer wouldn't have been there anymore, it, it, I don't know. It, it would have been interesting. It would it would have been a weird emotion that I haven't yet experienced yet. And so, so all that to say, you know, I told my wife, I was like, am I upset? Yes, but part of me is just a little bit excited that he's still out there and that I can still hunt him. So... So that's the story with of the two percent buck so far. Um, the big eight, he he was back last night or whatever night, um, the night after I hunted. So I know he's not hard spooked. I'll probably still have a chance to kill him for sure um, if I can get up there to hunt. Um, so yeah, so that was my weekend. Two super crazy, weird, out of my control encounters. That was kind of the sad part is that both of those deer, it was not, like I did I did everything right to kill those deer stuff outside of my control happened that made me not kill those deer. But that's part of hunting. That's why they call it hunting. So 
So that's my story. That's pretty much going to do it for this episode. Um, ended up being a pretty normal length here. I think we're going to do about 50 minutes. So, so yeah, that was the story. Um, wish me luck. Like I said, I think I have a pretty good chance at killing the eight points still. The 2% deer, I have no idea. <laughs> I really have no idea. Um, I'm also really curious with that deer. If I don't end up killing him this year and he makes it to next year to eight years old, I'm really curious what his rack will do. Because I didn't expect him to take a step back this year from six to seven. Um, I'm not sure if the drought, you know, we had that crazy drought all year. I'm wondering if maybe that affected his antler growth. And so it could be really cool to see what happens next year. You know, if we have another dry year, I fully expect him to take another step back. So this year he was a nine point. I don't think I ever mentioned that before. He was always that nice typical 10. This year he was a nine. Um, and then also he just didn't quite have the length. And so, I mean, he, he would have scored significantly less this year. Um, but who knows, you know, if we have a really wet year this coming year, he could go right back to where he was. He could explode. Um, I could see him becoming a non-typical. Um, I've heard of that being pretty common with deer when they get to that older older age class. They're they're trying to express those antlers. They just kind of, I don't know, their body, I don't know if it's their metabolism or what, their body's just kind of messed up. And they end up throwing a really crazy, like, non-typical rack. That could be kind of cool. Um, but yeah, like I said, um, he, <laughs> I, I, I keep going back to his body. He, he was massive. He was the biggest body deer I've ever seen. So, all right, enough about him. I'm drooling. <laughs> I'm still hoping to get on him. Uh, I can hear my voice getting a little raspy, so I probably need to shut this thing down. You have the right to the best wireless service. Bravado Wireless provides the best mobile wireless, high speed internet, latest devices, and customer service at prices you feel good about. Bravado Wireless strives to put these values first and offer you the best wireless service available. See what they have to offer at bravadowireless.com or one of their retail locations in eastern Oklahoma. Let Bravado Wireless connect you to your family, friends, and business partners all over the world. Bravado Wireless, the power of connection. That's going to do it for this week, guys. Um, thank you all for listening. Um, thank you for listening to my rambling. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Look at that. I'm getting ahead of the new year. So happy new year this coming weekend. Thank you guys for listening. It was a fantastic 2022 for the podcast. Thank you guys for making it what it was. And I'm very much looking forward to 2023. So thank you guys. Merry Christmas. Have a happy new year. And until next week, I will see you all right back here on the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast.